invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this evening to Psalm 23, a psalm that I think most of us are familiar with, uh, and yet uh, for good reason. I think there's a good reason why we uh, are uh, our attention is so often drawn to such a psalm, particularly in times of sorrow uh, and mourning and loss. Because here we are given in vivid imagery the gentle care of our faithful shepherd. So we'll give our attention to those words this evening that come to us infallibly and without error. Psalm 23, it is a psalm of David. As David himself writes under inspiration of the Spirit, saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's go before the Lord and ask that He bless the reading uh, and especially the preaching of His Word. Our gracious God and Father, as we come to You seeking comfort this evening, we pray that Your Word would give us the comfort uh, that can alone satisfy the aching soul. Uh, Please direct our attentions uh, to our uh, great God who cares for us in all these things. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we continue making our way through the Psalter, what a contrast this psalm is to the previous psalm. Psalm 22 details for us the cry of dereliction at the cross. Psalm 23 recounts for us the abundant goodness of the Lord as He leads His anointed King through the valley of shadow. Here we find written in the superscript a psalm of David. And here the psalmist speaks of his trust in the pastoral care of his faithful God as he acclaims and exalts the tender care that this gentle pastor shows to his precious sheep. Every verse here attests to the main theme that I think is highlighted there in the very first verse, that the Lord, the Lord alone, Yahweh, is David's shepherd. And here, the Lord God bestows a bounty without lack that is overflowing and superabundant, even in times of deep distress. Just as the Lord brought Israel through a barren wilderness for 40 years without lack, here David speaks of the Lord's leading him back to a promised land of verdant fields and quiet streams. Here, David attests to the Lord's pastoral care in every situation, both in the green pastures as well as through the dark valleys. And I think that uh, gives us uh, an overview of the flow and rhythm of this psalm. Uh, we could, as we break the psalm into two halves, 
we see the first half focuses on those green pastures in verses 1 to 3, and then verses 4 to 6, those dark valleys. Regardless of the circumstances, be they green pastures or dark valley of tears, we see the one and same God doing the same for all, bringing rest and refreshment and protection through thick and thin. These opening verses here are replete with a verdant pastoral imagery, uh, the imagery of green pastures and quiet streams and even straight paths. I think it's worth noting, uh, it's interesting just even driving here through the valley this morning to church, seeing all the sheep uh, along the valley between here and Sweet Home. Sheep by nature are not able to find food and water on their own. They are not uh, renowned for being intelligent creatures. They need somebody to guide them and tend even to their most basic of needs. With a kindness that attends to their ignorance and their waywardness and uh, a protection that is uh, in one sense gentle but also ferocious uh, in its opposition to those beasts that seek to devour the helpless lambs and imposters. And so here, the shepherd becomes one of the most fruitful images, I think, that we find in the Old Testament that describes the Lord's relationship to His people in Scripture. Here is the God who will carry the gentle and lowly, uh, the weak and the ignorant, but also with His staff and His rod will drive away the wolves and the hirelings that seek to devour the apple of His eye. You think of Psalm chapter 78 where the psalmist says that it is the Lord who led forth His own people through the wilderness like sheep. As the Lord, being the great shepherd, guided Israel from Egypt to Canaan. Isaiah chapter 40, we see the same imagery. Like a shepherd, He will tend to His flock. In His arms, He will gather the lambs and carry them in His bosom. And He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Here we find a God who does not bark orders, the God who leads His people into a land of safety. Green pastures, as He carries them in His arms when necessary, and He leads them beside still waters that they might drink their fill from the abundance of His house and cause them to drink deeply from the river of His delights. What beautiful, peaceful imagery that this psalm evokes of the great reality of the tender care of our Savior, our Father, to us. Green grass and quiet streams, all the food and drink, all the nurture and rest needed for the healing of David's soul. I think refreshing is an appropriate word. We see that actually here in verse 3, uh, in uh, um, that third verse. He restores my soul. Some translations, he refreshes my soul. Quite literally, the Hebrew reads, he returns my soul. He returns my life. He gives my life back to me. With a life that was nearly lost and extinguished, here is the God of life who brings back to him that which was almost uh, done away with. Here, it's an image at the very least of resuscitation. I think in light of what we see in the second half of this psalm, it is perhaps even a picture of resurrection of the one who gives back his life to his anointed king. 
Not only does the good shepherd lead his Messiah to healing streams, remember this is a psalm of the Messianic king as he sings of the Lord's faithful care for the Messiah. As he brings him beside those healing streams, as he guides him along the straight and narrow, along those paths of justice and righteousness. There, that word for path is a word that we've seen in some of our prior psalms. Quite literally, it is the wagon tracks. Uh, This is not... uh, Israel's king being led off the beaten path. It is a well-trod path. This is not a back road where bandits will attack and catch the shepherd unawares. And even if it were, the shepherd has his weapons of war in his hand to drive the wolves away and protect that which is precious to him. And so his rod and his staff, though a fright to David's foes, become a comfort to David's own soul because he knows that he can lie down and sleep because there is one who neither slumbers nor sleeps, who watches over his precious sheep by day and by night. They're a comfort to his soul because he knows he is safe. He says here because of Emmanuel, because the Lord is with him. And so David says he will fear no evil because the good shepherd leads him safely along those well-trod paths. And so here the Messiah rests secure even when the good shepherd leads him from the green pastures all the way through those dark valleys that we see here in the second half of the, of the chapter. It reminds us that regardless of the circumstances, Israel's king knows that he can rest safe. Because his Father in heaven looks out for him. I think it's interesting here in the, first, in the fourth verse, he says that he will not fear, even though he passes through the valley of the shadow of death. I think it's interesting because this language here, of the valley of shadow, uh, the valley of deep darkness, is a word that is used uh, in a few other places in Scripture in the Old Testament. It's uh, repeated by Job on a number of occasions to speak of that unformed earth, the darkness and the void through which the Lord brings Job safely through. You read the rest of the Psalms and even the prophets use this phrase, the valley of the shadow of death, to speak of life in the wilderness. You think, for instance, of Jeremiah uh, chapter 2. Where it says, they did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and of deep darkness. It's that same word there, the the valley of the shadow of death, through a land that no one has crossed and no man has dwelt. Here, even as Israel was being led through this dark wilderness, this deep darkness, God provided for them every step of the way. For 40 years, their shoes never wore out, their clothes never tattered. Every morning they woke up, manna from heaven, water from a rock that is not something that happens in nature. It's a supernatural act. And yet for 40 years, the Lord provided for His people so that even in the dry places, they were able to rest secure knowing that their Father in heaven provided for them. Yet elsewhere in the Old Testament, this valley of deep darkness is a phrase that speaks not only of life in the wilderness, but even those, <coughs> that time of life and alienation 
of exile and alienation from God. Think of Psalm chapter 107 where it says that some sat in darkness and the shadow of death on account of their own sin. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble and He delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and He broke their bands apart. We see here uh, uh, an emerging picture that throughout the Old Testament, the valley of the shadow of death is, is a life that is full of great trouble and sorrow, sometimes sorrow that uh, is a result of our own sinfulness. And yet the Lord is kind. And He brings us through those things. Ezekiel chapter 34, the Lord promises to seek out His sheep and He brings them out of the darkness and into rich pasture and verdant hills. In other words, we see in this psalm a repeated image that pops up elsewhere in Scripture that the Lord cares for His people in good times and in bad. And here in particular, the focus is on the Lord's care for His anointed King. Though the Messiah passes through the veil of darkness, though He passes through the valley of death and of tears, He will not fear, for the Lord will return to Him His life. He will restore His soul. Though He is pursued by His enemies, He will not go hungry. The Lord spreads a feast continually before Him. Though He is far from home, the Lord will exalt Him. That is the picture of oil running down His head. You think of Psalm chapter 92. O Lord, You've exalted me by anointing my head with oil. Here is a picture that even in the midst of deep humiliation, of deep sorrow, the Lord sustains and comforts His anointed King Though the way seems dark, he will drink of the cup of salvation and he will call on the name of his God and the Lord will save and he will save abundantly. Such is the picture of that cup that overflows. Calvin notes that these abundant provisions of food and oil and wine supersede the bare necessities of life. This is a rich abundance that transpires in the midst of the wilderness. This is not merely the picture of one who is simply scraping by. This is a psalm of joy, of the abundant goodness that the Father has for His anointed King. That here is a God who shepherds His people in benevolence to the uttermost. That is why He could safely call it not the valley of death, but the valley of the shadow of death. Matthew Henry, in commenting on this passage, says this. He says, It is but the shadow of death, The shadow of the serpent will not sting, nor the shadow of a sword kill. It is a valley deep indeed and dark and miry, but valleys are often fruitful, and so is death itself fruitful of comforts to God's people. And as a walk through it, they shall not be lost in the valley, but rather they shall get safe to the mountain on the other side. Death is a king of terrors, but not so to the sheep of Christ. I remember when I was in seminary, one of my seminary professors, uh, Dr. Beale, was getting installed as the department chair of the New Testament, and uh, it was a big event at the seminary, and I remember uh, a number of his old college uh, uh, roommates uh, from 
decades back showed up and a couple of his former roommates were telling my friends uh, this particular story that Dr. Beale, when he was in college, he played football. Uh, and one of the things that he liked to do uh, when his roommates would come to the doors, he would be hiding either in a closet or behind the door or in another room. And as soon as they would walk in the door, he would go, ha, ah! and run and tackle them. Some sort of prank. Well, we see here something similar. We see the anointed king of Israel being tackled and overtaken and overcome. And yet, what it is that is overtaking him is not the jackal or the wildebeest. David says, rather, he is going to be hunted down and tackled and overcome by nothing but God's steadfast love. Surely, goodness and mercy. Wonderful Hebrew word that we see translated so many different ways in our English translations that speaks to God's covenant fidelity and His faithfulness to His people. That is what will overtake me. It will pursue me and hunt me down relentlessly. Such is the goodness of God. So that David has nothing to fear. And so through the valley of deep darkness, he says, I will not fear. Rather, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think it's interesting here. Most English translations follow the Greek Old Testament where it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But the Hebrew actually uses a different word. In fact, it's the exact same word that we stumbled across in verse 3. where David says here, I will return to the house of the Lord to the end of days. How significant I think it is that both stanzas to the psalm end on the same accent, the language of returning. Verse 3, he returns my life to me. So that verse 6, I might return to the house of the Lord. Here we see that the Lord is so kind that he gives back the Messiah his life and leads him beside these streams that gladden his heart. Here we find a God who is so faithful that He will lead His Messiah through alienation, exile, and even death that He might return, having His life given back to Him, to the house of His God, to the end of days. You see, I I think what we often miss in reading this psalm is, as the superscript tells us, it, it, it hints off to us that we are to read this psalm messianically. This is a psalm of the anointed king of Israel. This is a psalm that tells us of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we read the psalm messianically, we begin to hear all the rhythms and melodies that attune our hearts and our ears to the work of the greater David. Here is a psalm of the Messiah ascribing glory to the Lord who leads his Christ through green pastures and dark valleys through the land of exile and death, and returns his life back to him, that he might bring him back to the dwelling place of the Lord to the end of his days. I can imagine being uh, Jesus growing up in the synagogue and hearing Psalm 23 read and knowing that this is his psalm first and foremost. He is the great psalm singer. He's the great liturgist who leads his people in corporate worship, as Hebrews tells us. 
And here, this psalm is consummately about Christ. He is the sheep who is led safely through the valley of darkness. And yet, He is not only the sheep, He is also the Good Shepherd. For what He is by virtue of His divinity, He receives now in His humanity. Just as elsewhere the New Testament speaks of Christ as both priest and sacrifice, so we also read of Christ being both sheep and the shepherd. He is the great sheep, the beloved of the Father, who is led safely through the darkness, even as He is led as a lamb to the slaughter, that He might take away the sin of the world. And yet His life is restored back to Him. It is given back to Him. And He, as uh, the, 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 the spotless lamb, who sits upon the throne is also the good shepherd who cares for his sheep as we are led through that same valley of darkness. As the incarnate son, he is the trusting sheep whom his father leads through death to resurrection and ascension back to his heavenly abode. But as our exalted Savior and our God, he is the one who leads us and guides us through the same path that he has walked so that we too might have nothing to fear. You remember how the Psalter itself begins, blessed is the righteous man who trusts in the Lord. Psalm 2, that righteous man is the anointed king of Israel. And yet Psalm 2 ends, how blessed is everyone who puts their hope in that righteous man. And so we see here a psalm that is a psalm not only true of Christ, but it is a psalm that that is true of those who are in Christ, those who are part of Christ's body. For those who are united to Christ, these same promises are given to us. All the promises of God find the resounding yes and amen in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the psalmist could say elsewhere, O fear the Lord, you His saints, for to those who fear Him, there is no lack. There is no want. The young lions lack. They suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall never be in want of any good thing. In commenting on the psalm, Calvin says this, how incredibly stupid it is to look for happiness apart from that which is found in drawing near to God. And certainly that is what this this psalm teaches. Look at all the goodness that attends the faithful care of our heavenly shepherd. Even as this psalm directs our attention to Christ, it likewise attests to the abundant provision given to all who are in Christ, to all who are part of Christ's flock. That despite our circumstances, be it in quiet streams, green pastures, dark valleys, or wolf-laden paths, We have no reason to fear, for the Good Shepherd watches over us. He neither slumbers nor sleeps to attend to our every need and ensure that we will be led safely home. As our Savior Himself says to His disciples, Fear not then, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we do thank You for Your Word, and as we consider Your provision for Your Son, we thank You that we find that all we need for life and godliness is found in Your Son, who though having died, has been raised to new life. 
to resurrection life and life indestructible. We pray that you would lead us safely through, that you would give rest to our souls uh, in those times of your good pleasure, uh, and that as we are led through the valley of darkness, you would not abandon us in those dark valleys, but lead us safely through to the other side. We ask these things that we might return as well to the house of the Lord, that house that is found in the heavenly Zion, in the new Jerusalem. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.